0: The following podcast you're about to listen to is brought to you by the Push Start Media Network, where everything you do in life begins with pushing start. Cast, i am your humble host bryce management along with the guy who needs no introduction but we're going to give him one anyways my guy co-host ed Ruder. Ruder, what's good my dude not too much is good this
1: morning bryce uh this morning ed is paying for some of the decisions that uh last night ed made yeah yeah we got into some of the tequila last night nice. for our father's day celebration nice but uh for you my man i'm gonna shake it off and we're going to have a great show anyway.
0: Okay, man. little Taylor Swift early this morning, shaking it off. And uh, we're about to bring you guys a really good episode, I think. You know, in my opinion, we're going to find out at the end of it. But as you see about today's title, we are talking top five. Our top five all-time sports collapses. Came up with this idea, just kind of chilling, thinking about it. I was like, yo, Rooter, what haven't we talked about today? What have we talked about yet? I was like, you know what? How about collapses, man? And you know what kind of reminded me of this? Uh, on Friday, this past Friday was the anniversary of the uh, Cleveland Cavaliers overcoming a three-one deficit and defeating the Golden State Warriors for their 2016 championship. And I was like, you know what, this is a perfect, perfect episode for this time period, man. I think this would be a really good one.
1: Yeah, I think it's excellent. Uh, it's something that it it brings a lot of emotional attachment to it. Right? Facts. I mean, something like this, it's it's really cool to talk about because. When you have a team that you really care about or a team that is in some way impacted by a collapse, I mean, there's nothing more brutal than that. Losing a single game can feel bad enough, but having a series of events that lead to something being called a collapse, uh, that's just brutal. And uh kind of want to recapture some of those moments and, and think back about some of those times and uh, relive some of those major, major
0: defeats. Yeah, definitely, man. And, that, and then real quick, guys, you know, people that's listening right now, just to kind of lay out the the ground rules for this 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 podcast that we're doing there's obviously going to be collapses that are significantly higher if you're kind of just ranking them like if you go google top five collapses you're going to see you know a bunch of different names that pop up that you may not see on our actual list but we're kind of doing it in in the emotional connection that we had to these that we have on our top five but then also on top of that um, what we've seen live. You know what I'm saying? Like things that happened in our lifetime and that we actually paid attention to and that we was there for and that we remember significantly. And kind of just to share that with you guys and hopefully, you know, kind of trigger some emotional connection to you and like, oh yeah, I remember where I was and that happened. Those type of collapses. You know what I'm saying? that Absolutely. Because I think when we're talking about a collapse,
1: as I mentioned, it's an emotional thing. Right. right? It's something that should tug at your heartstrings. Exactly. And reading about something that happened in the 60s or 70s for me it might be sad or whatever, but it's not going to tug at me uh, like it would if I had seen it live. So all of these that are on my list, and I'm pretty sure all the ones that are on your list are going to be ones that we were alive for, that we remember specifically, and that in some way kind of touched us or or left a mark on us.
0: Yeah, and then, you know, I mean, we can go ahead and get get into the list, man, but just to kind of give some honorable mentions, um, like, for instance, one that I don't have on my list that probably everybody, I'm I'm pretty sure every Bills fan is going to have on their list, is the comeback in the AFC wildcard game against the Houston Oilers in 1992, when the Bills is, what, down like 38 to like 3 or some crazy shit like that, 35 to 3 or something, and then was able to storm back and win that game. All time, that was one of the greatest collapses or greatest uh, victories, I should say, in, in Buffalo's retrospect there, but... Um, I don't have that on my list. I was I was a one years old. I was a penitenti- I wasn't watching that game. I was barely one. Excuse me. So that's not on my list. You know what I'm saying? And, and that one did
1: crack my list because I was there for it. Right. I'm aging myself now. I'm way older than Bryce, <laughs> and uh, I specifically remember that one. Uh, if for no other reason, even if I wasn't, you know, fully there to grasp the historical significance of it, I remember. Uh, my family being really excited. Mm-hmm. I remember the town being a buzz about it. So, so that did crack the list for right. me. So, that, this is what we're trying to get to here: is that we mm-hmm. want it to be something that's emotional. We want it to be something that that the people remember.
0: Another honorable mention: the University of Virginia basketball, men's basketball team becoming the first number one seed ever to lose to a number sixteen seed. Uh, I think that was what in two thousand eighteen that happened. I remember it vividly, but. That's and that's all that's an all-time great collapse. Don't get me wrong. But that is not making, I don't think either of our top fives here, right? Nope. Not for me. Yeah. So um, anyways, we're gonna go ahead and kick this thing off, sir. Ed, I'm gonna leave the honors for you. We're gonna start from least to greatest. All right, number five. Good to me. Number five for me.
1: Well, if you don't mind, just just switching it for just one second. Ahead, I had one honorable mention oh, myself. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, my that's bad. Right. My bad. All I'm all being, I'm being selfish. Look at you. Yeah, I'm just a self- just dominating.
0: Man. I'm supposed to be my humble host. I'm being as all oh selfish as shit.
1: I'm down as it is. This guy's kicking me while I'm down this morning. My God. That's all right. That's all right. So I just had one. I had to give a shout out because anyone that knows me knows that I'm a huge Indians fan. And normally I would just let it go. If you just wanted to dominate me and just, you know, run with your own thing over there and just put me down and just crush my spirit, I'd normally be, okay, Bryce, I can handle that. Right. But again, anyone that knows me knows I'm a big Indians fan. So if we're doing a list on collapses, if I didn't mention one that affected me personally, The only reason it's not number one, S tier, very worst for me ever, is because I just don't want to talk about it for 10 minutes. I respect it. So that's the the 2017 Indians collapse in the World Series. Mm. That one hurts to this day. Mm. That's all I'm saying. We were up three to one in the series. Mm. Lost in one of the greatest Game 7s of all time. Yes.
0: Like any sport.
1: Of any sport. Yeah. And I would say to this day, even though it's terrible for me, I would still recommend that 2017 World Series Game 7. As the game to watch, if you had to play one game for someone to get them to watch baseball, the game had everything. It was amazing. It It was an absolutely amazing game. I agree. Even that game was in some ways a collapse. Rain delay, just everything you could imagine. It It had it all. So... That's all I'm going to speak okay. on, that.
0: All, right, all right, man. How are you feeling over there? You seem like you're right. dropping right, a couple man. of I'm a, I'm,
1: it's, it's a rough day. It's I'm going to give you a, you a hug I'm going to give you a hug, man. I'm going to need one. I
0: got you. I one. got you, bro. We're here for the love. I got, I'm, I'm going to hold you up. That's what's up. All that's right, that's man. what we do. Support. All <laughs> right, so let's go <laughs> ahead and get into it. Number five for you, sir.
1: Yes, sir. So a little sloppy segue there, but again, this one will involve the Cubs. I think everybody remembers the 2003 NLCS Game 6. Okay, And the first thing I want to start off by saying is Section 4, Row 8, oh. Seat 113. That's where a young man by the name of Steve Bartman sat. And uh, he is the catalyst for one of the biggest collapses that I can remember. I remember being more hype around this this matchup. It was the Cubs versus the Marlins. Uh, the Cubs were heavily favored because at the time the Marlins were very much still a young franchise and very much an, an upstart team. And the Cubs were up. Uh through through the beginning of the series, they lost game one, okay? Uh but then they went on to win three in a row. So they were up three to one. Uh they lost the next game, that happens. It's very tough in any sport, as you could imagine, to win four in a row. Right. It's no big deal. They're riding high, they're up three to two, they're heavily favored, and they're going home for two games. Yeah.
0: Okay? Close here, it out.
1: Close it out. Wrap it up. It's a wrap. All right. Now here we go. Game six. They start off the game by scoring the first three runs of the game. So they're up three to nothing. Okay? Now, we have a foul ball hit. It's going to close out an inning. Ball flies up right over into section four. Moises Alou goes to retreat into foul territory to catch the ball. Mm -hmm. And he is unable to catch the ball Mm. because a young man, Steve Bartman, Mm. gets in his way, knocks the ball away. Moises Alou unable to make the play. When I was first watching, I remember watching this game. It was a big deal. It was the NLCS. This wasn't just a you know regular season game. Right. So this was the NLCS. So I was definitely locked in and paying attention. It was kind of cool. The Marlins were a fairly fresh franchise, and they were already in the NLCS. Mm-hmm. It was pretty cool. Uh, so I remember watching the game. I, I was definitely uh, you know paying attention, but I didn't catch what had happened. Right. It's a foul ball. Right. So as you tend to do, you kind of you know I looked away from the screen. So all I remember, I don't remember the play itself. I don't remember Bartman touching the ball because yeah. the camera angle may not have even been there yeah. in, in that time to have seen him knock the ball away. Mm-hmm. But what I do remember vividly is Moises Alou losing his mind. Pissed off. Absolutely going nuts, screaming at a fan. So for me, that was like, wow, what's going on here? I, I remember that vividly. Moises Alou, generally speaking, a fairly laid back guy. I had never seen him... In so a fit of anger or yeah. you know, getting thrown out of a game or you know, arguing with an umpire. He wasn't that dude, right? He wasn't Yasiel Puig, right? This is Moises Alou. So right. I'm like, what is going on here? So the replays come back, and, and there you have it. There's Steve Bartman knocking the ball away. Mm. Now, there's been all kinds of stories told on this. There's been a 30 for 30 on mm-hmm. Bartman. It's, it's really sad because I think the instinct for anyone— I mean, I don't know if you've ever been to a baseball game. I've been to a handful, right? I've been to I've a, been to
0: a Bison's game.
1: Okay, there you go. So I've been to a bunch in in my in my day. I'm a big baseball fan. If a ball's coming towards you, your instinct, no matter who you are, is to go grab the thing. Yeah. And especially a foul ball, yeah. right? You know, you might have the wherewithal if you're sitting in the outfield to maybe not grab a home run ball, right? Right. But a foul ball, you're not thinking here, like here comes a ball, it's coming at me, right? Uh, so he he's kind of gotten a bad rap over the years, but. Uh, man, what an incident that was. Man, The crazy thing about it was that was a foul ball. So you think to yourself, okay, foul ball, move on, right? Right. Well, not only did they not close out the inning with that batter, the Marlins went on to score eight runs Mm. in that inning. Mm. Okay, so in that inning, imagine Steve Bartman's luck. Not only do you screw up that play for them, okay, okay, you shouldn't have touched the ball, okay, but we've already mentioned kind of bad luck there. But then, you, your team has the 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 poor luck to have eight runs put on them on top of it. Yeah. Had that guy struck out, nobody would have even remembered him. Right. It would have been a, a minor footnote in history. Right. And now it's like one of the biggest things in in Wrigley Field lore of all times. Uh to wrap up the 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 crazy chaos and to wrap up the collapse, uh they went on to to lose that game of course. And then they went on to lose the next game as well. Game seven at home to complete the collapse up three to one crazy Bartman incident, losing both games down the stretch at home. And then Florida goes on to beat the Yankees in the World Series uh, later
0: that October. Imagine being that guy like imagine like the whole a whole city blaming you for the, the team that you guys are rooting for because they can't get it done. Yeah, I mean, you just, know, I'm just, like, imagine that. Imagine like, your, you're literally d- banned from the damn city of Chicago. He
1: had to be taken out by police escort because people were, like, yelling death threats at him. He gets death threats, from what I understand, to this day. Like that, like People looking back. To this I, day. I like to think, oh God, I've got to talk about it again. But after the Cubs beat my Indians in 2017, you know, it might have ooh, alleviated, le- alleviated yeah. some of the stress off of his shoulders there, you might think. but But imagine you're a fan— That's paying those NLCS prices. Yeah, wearing your Cubs jacket, you're in the in the front row near the foul. So those are not cheap seats. Yeah, at that point you got to think you're a fan. Right, that's your team. You know you've you've spent good money to be there, and now you're the you're the scapegoat for Mm -hmm. a whole franchise who hadn't won a World Series in seventy years Mm -hmm. at the time. I that must be that there can't be anything like that. Yeah, that's brutal. And you're not prepared for that. You're you're not an athlete. You're not the pitcher that went out there and blew the game. You're a dude.
0: You're a dude. Probably working at like the post office or something. Yeah, man.
1: That that's that's just a wild experience. And I thought, man, for as far as emotions are concerned, uh, as far as the collapse is concerned, this one this one had to be. Yeah, that's a good. That's a
0: good one, man. I like that. All All right, right. so uh, let's kick it over to you for for number five on your number five for me. Um, I'm going UFC and uh this one here is a uh, UFC 117 and the main event was uh Chael Sonnen versus Anderson Silva for the middleweight championship and i remember watching this fight live and at this point Anderson Silva was just untouchable like he just came into the UFC he's undefeated in the UFC at this point in time and literally just dominating everybody in spectacular fashion so it's it's just unfathomable to see Anderson Silva anderson Silva get his ass whooped and i mean this is what happened throughout the whole fight and and ufc 117 tail son and absolutely dominated anderson Silva for literally four and a half rounds it was just pure domination taking him down putting him on his back ground and pound beating the shit out of silver and i'm like yo I'm, i remember watching with my cousin and my uncle i'm like yo what the hell is going on right now like our boy is about to lose like is, this fight is over I mean, and then sure enough, the fifth round comes around and it's more of the same. Like Silva's back, he's put on his back, he's getting pounded on, but somehow, some way he just was able to, to, to finagle and was able to get Chael Sonnen into a, uh, into a chokehold there and, uh, finished him off, man, round five, end of round five, uh, with like three minutes left, got him into a triangle choke and was forcing the tack. And I just remember like the the joy and jubilation that we all had in that household at that point in time. I'm like, yo, he really pulled this off, man. And I'm just thinking to myself, like, if I'm Chell Sonnen, you got to be one sick individual to become that close to to beating the unbeaten. Like you're you're slaying the unslayed at that point, right? Like it's like a like he's like a fucking mythical creature at that point. You're getting ready to slay this guy, and then all of a sudden he just turns up to another level. He goes into that championship mode and just pulls out a victory with the like the the, the what's the, the saying the seam of your pants like man <laughs> that is unbelievable I couldn't be, I couldn't believe watching that fight what happened and I just like damn man that sucks for Chael Sonnen you got that close that close and then just literally your ch- emotion
1: is palpable in here I can yeah. feel it I can feel it as you were telling it you were it, there in the room again yeah man I he, can he, feel uh, it.
0: Yeah, he, he, he choked it away. I mean, he he got, yeah, he choked it. He, he, literally, he, choked. Yeah, he, literally, he literally choked, choked it. He
1: literally choked it. Yeah, that was because I remember my, my thoughts on that one real quick are that uh, I remember Silva just running through people at the time. Yeah, so that one, that one stuck out for me, not only as a collapse uh, for Chael, but uh, just remembering that this was the first time that somebody really laid hands on Anderson Silva because mm-hmm. he had been running through guys taunting guys putting his hands down sticking yes. his face out dancing around disrespecting him, people. knocking kids out with one one quick shot to the chin you know he was just running through guys at the time mm-hmm. and uh yeah to see somebody actually dominating him was
0: was definitely uh, uh a sight to see yeah it was weird to see man but um yeah the chel's signing number five on my list ed excellent All excellent right. so, so number four number four for me number four. Oh, that was sweet you like that i got you throw some of those in there those I are got nice you <laughs>
1: uh my next one here, we're going to bring it all the way back to 1995. Uh so this was when I was uh younger. I'm not going to say my age so that people are out there doing math and shit and just uh, you know, remembering my actual age here. <laughs> but uh we're going to go 1995 conference semifinals uh in the in the NBA. Okay. Uh this one stands out to me. Uh and when I, when I was talking about this one, I didn't know, you know, how to categorize this one. But for me, this was unlike the the other one that I kind of talked about uh, with the Cubs where it was kind of a series collapse where they were up three to one in the series. This was actually game one. So for me, this is more of a single game experience collapse than anything else. Right. And this is this, the game that I wanted to talk about was the game where Reggie Miller scored eight points in like 8.7 seconds yes. to come back and finish off the Knicks. Yes. Uh, so one, one quick note on this that I didn't realize in looking back, I had always remembered that part. Uh one of my favorite uh thirty for thirties uh ESPN documentaries is winning time. Yeah. It's the one with Reggie Miller, touches on Spike Lee, the whole rivalry with the Knicks. I am a Reggie Miller guy. That's that's my dude. Okay. Alright. So always loved Reggie Miller. So this one will always stand out to me. Classic sports performance, eight points, eight seconds, killed it, right? But one thing that I didn't remember from that game is that the Pacers were actually up nine in that game mm-hmm. throughout the early portion of the game. They were leading most of the time. Yeah. So I didn't recall that. That was something that wasn't in my memory from that. The Knicks actually came back and took the lead 105-99 mm-hmm. with only uh, 18 seconds left. So that, for me, as I was doing the research on this, was kind of cool because it's like the the Pacers kind of collapsed inside that game. Yeah. But then the Knicks finished the collapse By, you know, some absolutely... Typical
0: Knicks fashion.
1: (laughs) Typical Mm -hmm. Knicks fashion. So, walking through this real quick, all right? The Knicks were up 105 to 99 with 18.7 seconds left. Miller hits a three. Right. Classic. That's what Reggie Miller does. That's not all that exciting, right? They're still still down 105 to 102, okay? On the inbound, I'm going to say it. There was a shove. Do you remember this play at all? I do. There was a shove. Yeah, of course. He... He all but threw the guy out of the way. I yeah. think it was. I think it was Anthony. He threw Anthony yep. out of the way. Okay, catches the ball. We'll, we'll call that what it is. There's there's been some shove offs in, in basketball history. I think we had a Jordan shove off. Oh, yeah, to win the, a game before one. one of the most iconic shove offs Melt- of all time. Reggie
0: did it to Jordan too. He, he sure yeah, did. Yeah. He sure did.
1: That happens, right? Yeah. So again, that's not that crazy. What's crazy was that he was inside the arc at that point. Who's was inside the three-point line. What I will never forget is that Reggie Miller had the basketball IQ and the wherewithal to say, you know what? No, I'm not just going to take this to the hoop for an easy bucket. I'm going to step back. I'm going to hit another three. I'm going to mm-hmm. tie this game right here. You know, in the moment, right? We've seen how other players have reacted, you know, inside the closing moments of a game. And, uh, you know, I won't. Don't try to dog J.R. Smith too hard here, but we've seen mm. where players have not had, you know, their right mind about them in the closing moments of a game. Yeah. Reggie certainly did. He was locked in, steps back behind the arc, hits another three to tie the game. Mm-hmm. Again, what I remember that being live, okay? I remember that being much closer to the end of the game. Yeah. There was still 13.2 seconds left, which right. I wasn't, I I didn't have that in my memory, right? So to finish this collapse story, okay, the Knicks come down the court. They get fouled. Starks misses both free throws. Okay. Then they get the rebound off of the missed free throw, and Ewing, their best player, misses a bucket. A Reggie, bunny.
0: Com- uh, a, yeah, a, a
1: bunny, a, a, a layup, a, a close one, an easy one. I can make it. I'm no athlete anymore, right? Right. I'm hitting that bucket. I think probably not, but may- <laughs> hey, we go. But we can say I know. could. Yeah, I could have. Yeah, you could. It. I could have. Yeah. I could have. It was so close. I could have hit. That's it. That's right? a fact. So. He misses that. Miller gets fouled. About seven seconds left. He comes down, unlike Starks, hits both free throws, completes his eight points in eight seconds. Unbelievable turn of events there. You would think you're up, you know, 105 to 99. Okay, the other team has, well, they hit one. They're the up game's great. in hand. Drib-
0: dribble the ball out. Yeah. 18 seconds yeah. left. all you got to do is inbound it and make your free throws. Walk away with the game. Hit one of the free throws. You're up four, right?
1: But they. They have a poor inbound, assisted by a shove. Assisted by a shove. Yeah, tell Hits a three, ties the game. Mm-hmm. Come down,
0: make your free throws. Mm-hmm.
1: But they didn't, and of course, uh, the Pacers went on to win that game. They hung on, and then they ended up winning the series in a game seven. So, you know, that one game, right, ended up being pivotal. Yeah. They, they lose that game, they probably lose the series. Yeah. So for me, even though it was in the the confines of one game, for me, that was just a collapse yeah, I had to talk about. That one just game had such a wild major finish. impact
0: on the full series. Yeah, man. That's that's tough. Set the tone. Shout out to Reggie Miller, though, Reggie man. Reggie Miller that was a man. Was, he was something else. Love yeah. that guy. Yeah, I fucks talk Reggie. Talk trash, backed it up. Oh, man, that's beautiful. It, the iconic uh, choke symbol. Oh, the yeah, best. Yeah, the, the iconic absolute choke best. symbol to Spike, yeah. That
1: was one of my favorite moments. And if we were doing a top five for sports moments, him you know, running down the court, just yeah. that the look in his eyes yeah. when he looked over at Spike was just pure contempt mm-hmm. and hate and mm-hmm. just gave him that choke symbol and you could just feel it. just It was a... Feel the tension, It was, man. Oh, it was unbelievable. Feel the tension. I like awesome that. Awesome
0: moment. So that was my number four. Okay. What do you got for us? All on right. Number, number four, four man, I'm going to stick with the NBA basketball as well, but we're going to bring it up into the 2000s. All right. This is the 2016 Western Conference Finals between the Oklahoma City Thunder and the 73 and nine... Golden State Warriors team at that point. So this is a Golden State team that broke the Bulls record. Uh 73 wins in a season, regular season. Steph Curry, uh unanimous MVP at this point. Um he's regarded at this point in time, like people were saying that he is the best player in the NBA. And uh he, you know, watching that season, watching that full sixteen, seventeen season, 15-16 uh, season it was fucking incredible i would never seen like a team dominate the way that they did all season long Seth Curry was fun to watch Klay Thompson uh, Harrison Barnes Draymond Green those are like the fourth star players on that team at that point going against OKC who the two main players on that team was Russell Westbrook and then of course Kevin Durant at the time now going into the series obviously the Warriors were the heavy favorites Um, but OKC didn't give a damn OKC came out and uh they put it on this Warriors squad um and took a 3 1 lead and it was looking very bad. Like the 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 game five to put them up 3 1, they dominated the Warriors. Like they blew them up by like a good 25 30 points. Russell Rusbrook is feeling it. Kevin Durant is balling, like every the synergy for that team is going and it's looking like this okay, this this Golden State Warriors dynasty or team at that point in time, record breaking team is getting ready to end. By the hands of the Thunder. And then, sure enough, 3 uh, 1 league, OKC's in it. And then all of a sudden, I don't know what the hell happened, but they just fold, man. Like, and they just fold. Golden State Storm's back, eventually, win the series 4 3. And I just remember, I'm like, I'm thinking to myself, like, how the fuck does this happen? You got Kevin Durant on your team. At that point, he's a top three player in the NBA. You got Russell Westbrook on your team. At that point, he's a top 10 player in the NBA. They are dominating this league, this, this game, this series. They have another game at home to go close it out. They don't do it in game six. They go to game seven and lose to Golden State in Golden State. And then, uh, I just remember thinking to myself, like, wow, I don't believe what I'm watching right now. Golden state really pulled this shit off. And I mean, obviously here, this is kind of, uh, cause my, my next one kind of leads into this one as well. the number three, but, um, with that loss there, that that was pretty much the end of that. OKC team Te- Kevin Durant left the next year, uh, Russell Westbrook, you know, he went on to set, uh, the triple double records or three in a row at that point. So but yeah man that that collapse right there man That's that's definitely one of well obviously number 5 or number 4 for me but yeah do you remember that at all
1: I do I, I remember uh so was that the was that the year that Golden State went on
0: their crazy run and yeah they won uh they broke, they, they broke the all-time regular season record for wins they went they won 73 times and lost 9 times they broke the the Bulls record the thing that I think I recall the most about
1: it was the fact that they had lost three
0: games in that
1: rapid fire when they had only lost like eight games all year or something right. like that right i mean like that for me was the was the thing that that sticks out in right. my mind um i wasn't as tuned in because i remember thinking to myself like yeah this team was dominant and stuff curry was hitting yeah and i kind of remember thinking to myself like can they carry that out in like a physical uh a physical series a playoff series yeah. can they continue with that and they got down early and i thought oh, okay yeah these guys are you know paper champs right They're they're not gonna mm-hmm. make it and then
0: Prove me wrong. I went out Pulled there. Pulled it out, man. They, yeah. yeah. Championship pedigree. Got it done, man. Championship pedigree. He was able to pull that one out. So, yeah, that's number four on my list. Uh, moving on to number three on yours, sir.
1: Yes, sir. So, we're into top three. This is big time stuff top now, Top three, I think. baby. Top three. So, th- here's one that I recall very vividly. Uh, it was the the 2007 Mets team. Okay. And people might be thinking to themselves, who who are they? Right? And the reason that they might be thinking about who are they is because they didn't even make the playoffs, all right? So, a little bit about this team. This was a very good team, okay? They actually hold a record through their first four games. Uh, They put a beating on their opponents. They won by 28 runs over their first four games of the season. Okay. Baseball is a marathon. It's 162 games, but this team came out on fire. Right. All right? So, they came out on fire. Uh, They were, you know, some back and forth. The Phillies were a very good uh, franchise at that point, too. They had Jimmy Rollins, Ryan Howard. Uh, This this Mets team was uh, largely inspired by Tom Glavin towards the end of his career. That was their guy. okay, And kind of carried them throughout the season with an amazing pitching performance all year long. But they come out hot. Uh, They do not relinquish the lead in the division through the beginning of May. Mm -hmm. So early on, April, May seems to go back and forth. You know, there's very few games played at that point. Right. go Back and forth. But they led most of the season. Right. okay. It comes down to September 12th. We're nearing the end of the season. Baseball playoffs are in October. We're midway through September, and they have a seven-game lead in the division. So they're pretty much locked in. They're locked in. Okay. It's over. Seven-game lead, okay? Seven-game lead with only 17 to play. Okay. So for those people that aren't quite grasping the significance of that, it is incredibly hard to gain wins back at the end of a season, especially a long season, because if the Mets essentially play, you know, 50-50 baseball, they play 500 baseball. Uh, they're almost a lock to win that division. It's almost right. impossible to come back. That that is a monumental task because not only does the other team have to falter, but then you've got to go out there and play almost undefeated baseball. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I'm set the stage here. We're talking about collapses. I think you can see what's what's about to happen uh, here. Yeah. Right, so down the stretch, the Mets end up going five and twelve down the stretch. Uh-huh. Okay. So terrible. This is a good team. Right. That just crumbles and goes five and twelve down the stretch. What's remarkable about that is that during that five and twelve stretch, they actually won three in a row in there. Okay, so they had a little homestand where they won three in a row. Okay, you take that out, right? So let's just erase those games real quick, and they were still up two and a half games with like with like eight to play. Mm-hmm. Okay, they go the rest of that time two and twelve down the stretch, and that's what it took to ultimately lead to their demise. The the craziest thing, okay, right. is that. They actually came in to the final game of the season, game one sixty two It came down to the very last game that marathon season, one hundred and sixty one games in the books. they were tied with the Phillies, okay The Phillies had a matchup with the Nationals, and the Mets had a matchup with the Miami Marlins. the Miami Marlins at that time, not too much uh dissimilar from today, are one of the worst teams in baseball, okay, okay, so bottom feeder bottom feeders a, they're going to walk through them. they could play their bench guys and beat this team. Mm-hmm. To make it worse, guess who's guess who's pitching for the Mets? Tom Glavin. Okay, their ace, their ace is on the hill. Yeah. for game one sixty-two against one of the bottom feeders with their entire so, season yeah, on the line. So you bet the house on the Mets. It's over. Yeah. Everyone's betting the Mets. Fifty bucks on the Mets. Yeah. I'm not even a gambling guy. I'll put a hundred on. Yeah, why not? Well, well, here's why not. That's a great question. The why not is because Tom Glavin goes in and gets blown up Yikes. for seven runs over one and a third innings. Gets Yikes. gets destroyed. The lowly Marlins. In a time where all they need to do is win the game to make the playoffs, they get beat. Then you go on to finish the ultimate collapse. The Phillies later that night go on to beat the Nationals. And so it's not even a tie for a playoff. It's not even a a forced extra game. They lose. They're straight out. Straight out. Mm. In regulation, before the bell, Mm. they're out. Game 162. After they had led since May, they find themselves September 30th. Outside looking in. They're outside looking in. Don't make the playoffs. Wow. For me, watching that day after day, because it was a big story in the news, too. I remember it. I, this one was visceral for me because I remember looking back and they lost again. Yeah. They lost again. And then that last game, everybody was tuned in. I remember that because it was, it was a big deal. It was a big deal for, for the manager at the time. It was a big deal for the players. It was a big deal just because it's a New York team. The yeah. me- media is talking about it, right? This was a Mets team that's finally good. you read no way they'll collapse. No way. And then, sure enough, sure game enough. 162, right down the old uh, proverbial toilet there. That's tough. Unbelievable. That's tough.
0: All right, so that's my number three. Sorry, Mets fans.
1: Sorry. Yeah, I hate to bring that one up, but yeah. I got to. That's yeah. what we're talking about today.
0: All right. Number three for me, um, I'm sticking with the NBA, and I'm sticking with 2016. And um, like I said, the my number four kind of leads up into number three. So this one here, um, it is the NBA Finals between – the Cleveland Cavaliers, and then the Golden State Warriors. It's, this is still that record-breaking breaking Warriors team. And, uh, again, Warriors are heavy favorites against the Cavaliers, and uh, it kind of starts off like that, you know. They jump out, win the first game, win the second game. Uh, game three, Cleveland wins. Game four, Golden State wins in Cleveland. It's a wrap. Pretty much over. The right. best team ever, 73-9. and nine. They're right. going to close this thing out. LeBron, unfortunately, he's not going to win another championship for Cleveland at this point, it was what we're thinking. And then uh Draymond Green gets suspended. Um <laughs> he misses a game. And uh like Stephen A likes to call this one, Cleveland Cavaliers get a stimulus package. <laughs> <laughs>
1: That's
0: not bad. Right. So Draymond Green gets suspended for another low blow. I guess he uh, swung at LeBron balls, if I remember correctly. Um so Cleveland wins game five. And then uh, Cleveland, and this is in Golden State, by the way. And then Cleveland goes to game six. Draymond Green is suspended at this point in time. And they go and win. Actually, I may have that uh, flipped around. He may have been suspended for game five. But either way, Draymond Green right, this right. is the game they win. They go back to Cleveland. Cleveland again wins game six. Now they're going back to Golden State for game seven. Game seven in Golden State and everybody knows this golden state is probably the hardest place to play at for nba players they say it all the time it gets crazy loud in there i got to like visit that one time at least one time in my life i never heard that about yeah him. that's crazy pretty crazy cool. loud yeah okay. to the point where you can't think okay game seven nba finals crowds going nuts the 73 win team should be able to close it out at home you just dropped the last two now you got game seven at home and it starts off well back and forth battle and then one of the last in the fourth quarter, probably the best sequence that you'll ever see in the basketball game, like the last two minutes and forty-five seconds. Uh, just 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 defense galore. Everybody's tuned in, everybody's locked in. Go to Golden States on a fast break, getting ready to go to with the go ahead bucket. Igadala, nice easy layup. Fucking LeBron James comes out of nowhere with probably the greatest defensive play you'll ever see in a basketball game in history. Blocked by James. Y'all know the call. Y'all know the call. Blocks it, and then next play, offense. Cleveland, Kyrie comes down. One-on-one with Steph Curry. MVP Steph Curry rises up, drains a three right over his head. Bang! Cavs take a three-point lead, and then the rest is history from there, man. Cavs hold on to that lead and complete the comeback, and that right there, number three on my all-time collapses. Golden State, 73 win team, record breaking team, 3 1 NBA Finals, game seven at
1: home. Right. And yeah, you wild. You blow now.
0: it. You blow it. You blow it. You blow it. However, however, okay, with that happening, those last two sequences, my number four, OKC, and then number three, Golden State, this allows Kevin Durant to come over to the Golden State Warriors the next season and create, in my mind, the greatest team of all time. But Those collapses there all time for me, man.
1: Yeah, that that was that one was crazy. It was funny that you you mentioned that one. Before I knew that you were going to be talking about that one today, a friend of mine asked, uh, you know, what moment was it for you that it was like just a question on Facebook. Yeah. Yeah. Social media reached out and he said, uh, you know, what was the moment that that LeBron James cemented his his legacy? Yeah. And for me it was when he came back because I kinda I kinda lost some good feelings for LeBron when he went away. From Cleveland the first time to Miami, and yeah. not that he left, but just the way he did it. Right, yeah. he's a guy from Cleveland. He's from Ohio, you know. You, and then he kind of says, "I'm going to take my talents to South Beach." Kind of made a deal of it. Mm-hmm. Whatever, made a show not one, not yeah. two, yeah, not yeah, three, not, three, not, not four,
0: four, not five, I, not six.
1: <laughs> and I remember it, it just being a moment where I'm like, "Damn, this dude kind of dogged his team. He didn't just yeah. leave him. He kind of dogged him a little bit on the way out." And I thought to myself, "Oh." I, I'm thinking. I'm if I'm being honest, like fuck this guy, right? Yeah. Like that's it's not a move that I appreciated. I'm I'm a big Indians guy. I love the city of Cleveland. I feel you. Yeah, it's like it's like my my second sports city, right? So I'm kind of like, yeah, no, you know what? Whatever, man, get out of here. Yeah. But then he's cool, right? He wins his championships there with D Wade and uh, and Bosch, comes back and uh, he wins one for them. And it, it seemed like he had real emotion at that point when he won I remember him yeah. falling to the floor and you know just really emotional when he won one for cleveland to this day that's his he says that's his greatest
0: championship yeah. that's his greatest achievement i, I would in say it's his greatest achievement because yeah. that,
1: that was a team that he put on his back period yeah. and and took them to the championship mm-hmm. so that, that's a that's a great choice for and that another
0: woman. thing i think what people also need to realize is they got to give Kyrie a lot of credit for that series because he was busting steph curry's ass yeah like, he was he, he was he was a killer killing him yeah, yeah. Even steph curry couldn't do shit with Kyrie, yeah, yeah and then they drained that uh, that that three-pointer over him to pretty much seal it
1: yep yep
0: that was a uh, that was a good one man it was yeah a great that, choice. yeah i just very cool thank you all right number two
1: yes sir number two for me getting down to the nitty-gritty
0: so this this
1: one uh has maybe my favorite emotional attachment to it because you would think collapses are, are usually a sad thing right negative emotion when you think of collapse in general you think ah oh, that sucks a collapse right well, this one was was a happy one for me. Um, in particular, if, if there are a couple of sports franchises that I don't care for at all, mm-hmm. uh, that I hate, uh, one of which is the Philadelphia Flyers okay. of the NHL. Hate them, always have. Ugly okay. orange jerseys. Their mascot. You know, I kind of like them. It's a big ugly fuck. Okay, okay. don't <laughs> even like don't even like their mascot. <laughs> I don't like their cheesesteaks. I don't like anything about. Philadelphia, Philadelphia
0: cheesesteaks are overrated, by the they way. They are overrated. I probably said that plenty of times on this Dude, podcast. I take a
1: steak and cheese from Western New York all day. all day. Yeah, not even close. All day. Yeah. Fuck Philadelphia, right? That's that's my feelings. That's, I mean, don't fuck Philadelphia. Come on now. Oh, no. I'm there. This, let me let me be there for this story. My bad. I, I got to be there in the moment for this story. So fuck Philadelphia for this story. All right, so is Sixers. that better? All right. all right. All right. Easy. I know. Sixers. All right. But here we go. Here's why that's important. Okay. Because this series made me root for the Flyers. And here's why. Okay. The 2010 Bruins were the team that they were facing off against in the playoffs. All right? If there's a team that I hate more than the Philadelphia (laughs) Flyers, it's the Boston Bruins. Okay. All right? I hate the Boston Bruins. And I will say, there's not a team from Boston that I can appreciate even a little bit. I don't like the Red Sox. I don't like the Patriots. uh, So, yeah. Forget Boston, too. All right? So this was this was incredible. So the the reason I had such a horrible reaction to this Bruins team in particular, yeah. they just eliminated my Buffalo Sabres from the playoffs. All right. They beat Ryan Miller and the Sabres. Uh so they were moving on. Sabres going home. Yeah. Typical story for Buffalo, but all the more reason to hate on Boston. So I'm going in in kind of a weird headspace as it is. Yeah. All right. Because now here I am. Ed Reuter, Mr. Buffalo Sabres, Mr. Flyers hater. Mm-hmm. I'm now rooting for the Flyers in a series. Mm-hmm. Weird to start with. Naturally, as things go, right? I'm rooting for them for the first time ever. They start going, and they're down 3 nothing in the series immediately. I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. How does this happen, right? Yeah. Like, I've, I root for you guys once a decade, and here you are treating me with a 3 to nothing. Obvious, they're going to they're gonna get out the brooms. Yeah. It's a sweep. They're out. It's right? over. Well, then they start they start chipping away at it. Okay, they win the next three games, and now here we are, Game Seven. Let's keep in mind, as much as I hate the Boston Bruins, mm-hmm. this is a very good team. Mm-hmm. They got Zidane Ochara, Brad Marchand. They've got Bergeron, Lucic, Wheeler. This is a great hockey team. Yeah. Okay. They jump up on them now, on the Flyers, three to nothing in this game. So now they were up three nothing in the series. They blow that. They're up three nothing in Game Seven and they also blow that. Uh they end up having the game tied and then nearing the end of the game the craziest part is of all the ways to ruin your season of all the ways to come out and blow a 3 to nothing series lead a 3 nothing game 7 lead they get hit for a too many men on the ice penalty. Wow. Okay, it was a bad line change, all right? So in hockey as guys are switching over the boards right You can't touch the puck while that sixth guy is out there. The sixth skater is out there on the ice. Okay, So they do. It's kind of a ticky-tack call, if you ask me. But then Simone Gagné goes on on the power play to finish off the comeback, and they end up hanging on to that 4-3 win. So for me, this is number two. You might be thinking to yourself, well, that's not the the greatest collapse of all time. But for me, I loved it because it was a team that I despised that made me root for another team that i despised that were up 3 to nothing yeah and then they collapsed and it, it was just a, a beautiful thing for me so this one was a beautiful collapse <laughs> i loved it i loved every second of it i respect it, man got to right i mean th- this was a team that just two put teams put, that they, you hate but the two team, teams that i hate yeah the one i hate less yeah slays the slays the dragon that, that just hate. beat yeah. my team right so I feel you. so for me this one was uh this one was an easy number 2 um to make it even more you know, cringeworthy that uh, that the Bruins lost it was uh, anyone that knows hockey knows that the Bruins have a huge rivalry with Montreal. Okay. And well, by the time this game, this series had gotten to Game Seven. Yeah. Uh, we would we already knew that the winner was going on to play Montreal. Yeah. So it was going to be crazy, right? The Bruins were going to go out. They should beat Philly. They were favored, mm-hmm. and then they're going to go on and play Montreal in another great series, right. right? Never meant to be. Never happened. The Flyers knocked them off. I love it. That's yeah. my number two. Fuck Boston. Fuck Boston. <laughs> and Philly for, for hockey.
0: There okay. we go. Is that okay? Can That's I say fine. that? That's I can say fine. that? Right, yeah, cool. you can say that. So I do like the Sixers. You've trust been teaching the, me Sixers stuff. Trust the process, man. I'm baby. liking those Sixers. But, yeah. all right, you're up. All right. Uh, number two for me. I'm actually going to go to baseball, Ed. I'm going to go to your field here. All right, let's go. All right. Go. 2004. ALCS. Ooh, this is a good one. Mm-hmm. Real good one. Yes, sir. Let it run. New York Yankees you know, the most hated team, the most polarizing team. Let me say that probably in sports against their bitter rivals, probably the greatest rivalry in sports. You can, I can make that argument against the Boston Red Sox. You know, the stage is set 2004 ALCS winner goes to the world series and uh, Yankees got off to a hot start, man. Um, and you, you probably able to speak more to this than me, but I just remember watching these games and this is why I'm just starting to get into baseball as well. And uh, Yankees take a 3-0 lead. And um, they're kind of dominating these guys, right? Game one, Mike Mussina. Am I saying that right? Mussina? Yeah, yeah. You're Mike good. Mussina. He had a perfect game going through six innings. Rex Sox, they fought back, but then Yankees eventually won the game. Uh, game two, uh, the Yankees win that game as well. Game three, they dominate 22 hits in the game. Easy victory. So 3-0 lead, boom, right off the bat. And then all of a sudden, I don't know what the hell happened. Red Sox bounced back. And it starts off with game one or game four at that point there. And uh, if I remember this correctly, all right, correct me if I'm wrong here, Ed. Wasn't this the game where, like, the Yankees was up, Boston had bases loaded, and then... um. Uh, David Ortiz hits like a double to clear the bases, bring everybody home. Yep, that was the game, right? Yep. And that kind of just sparked it. Yep, I just and okay. and he's rallied. And yep. rallied yeah, that just sparked it from there. They so they win game four, get out of game five. I believe game five goes to extra innings. Um, yep, fourteenth, yeah, fourteen innings there. They win that game. Uh, this is uh, also the series where the uh, the Curt Schilling's uh, bloody sock uh, incident or not incident, but the bloody sock moment. Yep, you know he pitched seven innings there in the bloody sock. And um, they win game six, and then ultimately come into game seven and uh, pull it off, man. Uh, uh, there's a grand slam by Johnny Damon. Am I reading this right? Yeah. Yeah, Johnny Damon, who wow, who
1: went on, as people know, to to play for for New York, which was wild at the yeah. time too. Not to cut
0: you off there, yeah. But, no, but yeah, yeah, it was
1: it was crazy because then Johnny Damon went on to play for New York, so that was like a really bitter right. bitter uh, addition that they made there, mm-hmm.
0: but. So yeah, so Red Sox come all the way back, and this is the first time in MLB history that a team was able to come back from a three nothing deficit, and they did so against their bitter rival rivals in the ALCS. So it's pretty much at a bigger stage at this point. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like the next stage is the World Series, obviously, but like this is literally like a fucking movie. Like I just yeah. remember tons of movies being. Around this this whole event, and then you got the thirty for thirties and the documentaries and everything about it, and then the Red Sox eventually go on to, play, to face the St. Louis Cardinals and win their first World Series in like eighty ninety years, eighty six years to be specific. And finally, the curse of the Bambino is broken, man. The curse of the Bambino is finally broken for Red Sox fans. And I I'm not a Red Sox fan. I'm a I'm a all uh, Los Angeles Angels fan myself, but um I have a cousin who's a Red Sox fan, and I know he was excited. And I also have a uh, an aunt who's a Yankees fan, and then like the tension was just there. And I just remember like the the joy in one corner, and just the heartbreak in another. Tough, tough, tough shit. For
1: That's those wild, Yankees yeah. man.
0: But yeah, I got that number two on my list. Very cool, man.
1: Just w- one little quick note on those Red Sox. Yeah. Uh, I've already said I have no love for the Red Sox, right? So right. it's funny you mentioned this one because for me, where where that hatred grew for the Red Sox. Uh, in that similar era, so that was a uh it was a two thousand four team right two thousand four yes, two thousand seven my Indians were up three to one. And I'll tell you there's no one better in the world at blowing three to one leads than the Cleveland Indians. This is Man. another one I didn't think I'd be discussing today, but in the a l c s the Indians were up three to one over the Red sox the Red sox came charging back again to be to beat the to beat the Indians in the a l c s so yeah. that little era for the red sox was a was a wild ride uh and I'll I'll never forget that. That was that was a cool choice also, man. Very good. All right, now we'll get down to number one. The number one. Well, anyone that's paying attention and has any kind of uh, you know, deductive skills or, you know, process of elimination here, we already said that uh one of the ones that you talked about is your honorable mentions that you weren't really if you were alive for it, you were like little baby Bryce. Yeah. So you didn't quite remember it. I was about four or five months. Four or five months old. Yeah, you probably weren't watching sports yet. Yeah. Might have been watching, but not really knowing. I was, I was just out there bobbling my head, you right. You didn't even maybe have object permanence that you didn't even know where <laughs> the T V was if you got turned around. You that's know a what fact. I mean? Yeah. So so that's cool. So either way, here's mine though. Okay. All right. So I'm gonna bring us all the way back to the greatest comeback of all time. Okay. This is one for, for the Bills fans that are out there listening. Uh this is uh the greatest comeback of all time and I want to set the stage a little bit. Go ahead. Do it up man. So first of all, the Bills have their quarterback Jim Kelly out due to injury. All right. So Frank Reich has to come in and start his first playoff game
0: of all time. All right. By the so way, Jim Kelly, not a fan. Not a fan of Jim Kelly? Yeah. Yeah. yeah not a fan. Really? Yeah. You I I think he's overrated. And then Over- also yeah, he's he's an overrated quarterback. I don't think he belongs in the Hall of Fame. Really? I'm 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 pushing buttons today.
1: You're just pushing buttons? Yes. Do you really
0: believe that or are you just I'm, pushing I'm buttons? dead serious. Really? I'm dead serious.
1: I'm sorry, I'm cut you off though. No, no, I I kind of Let's give this one minute. Let's okay. give it 60 seconds. I want to hear it. Go. Okay.
0: First of all, you go look at his numbers. They're super overrated. He threw tons and tons of interceptions. Facts. And he threw a few touchdowns as well, but give him his credit there. Okay. All right. So the man basically, to me, got into the Hall of Fame because he got to four straight Super Bowls and never won one. Like, the, just the fact that he made it to four straight Super Bowls is the only reason why he's in the Hall of Fame. So you
1: don't think that ha- that holds any weight at all?
0: It's cool. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> don't get me wrong. That's incredible. But you can't get me one victory okay. out of those four. How about
1: that for collapses?
0: Right. Wow, we didn't do any multi season wow, collapses. We didn't. Shit. I not think about it.
1: That's okay. We mentioned it now. It's That's, on our list. Yeah, honorable, honorable mention. By the way, mention, guys, honorable mention. Honorable mentions. Uh, the Bills teams that lost four Super Bowls in a row. Yeah. Major collapses. Yeah.
0: Plus, he didn't even want to come to Buffalo. He Plus, didn't. on top of that, everybody I talked to say he's a big asshole. Okay. Like, you know what I'm saying? So, nothing against him now. Okay. You know, yeah, he turned his, I guess he turned his life around and everything. But, um, yeah, I'm not a Jim Kelly fan. Sorry. Okay. No, that was a great 60 seconds. Yeah. That was awesome. That was a sidebar. <laughs> I loved it. Sweet. Okay, good.
1: Well, fuck. I guess fuck him then. He's out. Troy ate right. me too. He sucks too. I'm sorry. Go oh, ahead. Go ahead. Go
0: ahead. Go ahead. Whoa. Go ahead.
1: <laughs> this is awesome. I just, every five words, you're just going to throw another guy that you hate at me. <laughs> Overrated guys. <laughs> it's awesome. that's Overrated right. guys. We're just, Overrated quarterbacks. That's, uh, that's our next series, guys. Overrated dudes that Bryce hates. We might we just, have to do that, He's actually. just going to shout stuff. Overrated players. <laughs> I love it. Alright, so let's let's bring the let's bring let's the bring listeners back. back to nineteen ninety-three. Okay. All uh, right, here we are again. Okay, we're back here. We're at Rich Stadium. That's what it was before some of the listeners were probably born. Rich Stadium, okay. not not New Era, all right? So here we are. So let's let's recall. Jim Kelly. Overrated apparently, but he's out anyway. All right. So he's not he's not on the field. Okay. I think everybody knew that. The crazy thing about this crazy comeback was that Frank Reich, the orchestrator of this comeback, okay, was also the orchestrator of the greatest college comeback of all time as well okay. at Maryland all right so when he was at Maryland uh he went out to beat the university of, Mi- of Miami for the greatest college comeback of all time as well which if you think about it that in and of itself makes this a number one worthy story yeah that this backup quarterback he was a backup in college as well a backup quarterback holds the record for the greatest college comeback and pro comeback in football history but- that to me is uh, the chances of that, just astronomical, yeah. it's out of control how crazy that is. That's one of the craziest things to have happened in sports, period, for me of all time. He should have played the lottery. He should have, yeah. yeah. This guy should be out there in casinos yes. just all day yes. with, with with where this guy's at. But I think that speaks to his demeanor. Um, he's doing a great job with the Colts as a coach right now. That's a fact. Uh, he must have a different level of you know focus and a different mindset because to pull that off in, in college and the pros... Crazy, yeah. first of all. all right. But beyond that, okay. So, what a lot of people don't remember is that Thurman Thomas got hurt in this game as well. Yeah. So their their quarterback and their best, probably their best offensive player, all in. Right. Thurman Thomas is also on the shelf for this. All right, and they find themselves against a very good uh, Warren Moon led Houston Oilers team, and they get down thirty five to three with thirteen minutes left in the third quarter. Yeah. Twenty eight minutes left to play. You're down thirty two. The fans were leaving. The fans had left the building. Hey. Okay, You know Bills fans. The Bills fans in 2019, 2018, those are the same crazy Bills fans that there were in 1993. Bills Mafia. They don't leave for anything. This is Bills Mafia. Yeah. They don't go anywhere. They will sit through the cold, through the wind, through the hail, through the sleet, and they will sit there and they will watch their team they, lose by 40. They don't care. And they're still gonna they're not going to be going anywhere Because they, they paid their... $32 for their bleacher seats, mm-hmm. and they're not leaving. They're getting their $32 worth, yes, damn it, right? So there they are. These fans, these Bills fans are leaving the stadium. Okay? That's how bad this is. They're down 35-3. to three, okay? So now Kenneth Davis, the backup running back, just happens to come in, score a rushing touchdown with about eight minutes left in the third quarter. So it's 35-10. It's, uh, 30, okay? Now they start chipping away. Andre Reid starts catching touchdowns from Frank Reich like it's his job. Frank Reich ultimately goes on to throw four touchdown passes. Yeah. Okay? Um, There's another little tidbit here that people kind of forget about. The Bills come all the way back. Okay? They take the lead with three minutes left, 38 to 35. Yeah. Now they kick off to the Oilers. Here's where that little Bills and Buffalo sports in general mentality kicks in. What people don't remember is it wasn't just a comeback and the Bills just won at the last and it was just, you know, Bedlam when they won, finished the comeback in regulation. The Oilers come back and kick a field goal with only 12 seconds left. All right. So now it goes to OT and the Bills finish it off in overtime where back then just a field goal wins it. So they kick the field goal. They win 41 to 38 in overtime, completing the greatest comeback in history. But the crazy part was along the way. Uh, You know, they were down their two best offensive players, arguably, and they also had the game tied up on them uh, before the thing was over. Just a wild day. I remember when the comeback started going on, uh, I remember watching, and they were showing the outside of Rich Stadium at the time. People just begging to get back in, crawling over the fences, trying to be there. All those people. Imagine being those guys that left and got to their car and drove off and missed the greatest comeback of all time. In a playoff game, um, where a- you AFC
0: Wild card, where where
1: you where you paid good money to be there, and you drove away, and then you know just imagine the the chaos trying to get back yeah. in. They flooded the gates. At first, they weren't letting people back in because that was the policy. These people are freaking out, climbing the fences. It was an absolutely wild scene, uh, one that was you know holds near and dear to me. Yeah, I mean, you know, I'm a Dolphins fan, but I got much love for for Buffalo. So, uh, absolutely wild crazy collapse by the oilers who in their own right were a great team warren moon bubba mcdowell bubba mcdowell bubba mcdowell had a pick with just uh minutes into the into the uh, third quarter that led to another field goal that put them up 35 to 3 so at that point it's like they come out and you think to yourselves all right second half here we go then you get a pick that leads to more points for the other team uh just a, a wild scene, man! Absolutely shout crazy. Shout out to the Buffalo it man. That was a that was a that was a great game, and yeah. uh, it's just awesome. It was, I like that. was that. a cool memory.
0: Okay, that's good shit, man. That's good shit. Um, all right, before I get my number one, uh, real quick, another honorable mention as well. Um, I'm not, you probably remember this as well. I don't remember the what what playoff it was, but it was the Kansas City Chiefs against the Indianapolis Colts where Kansas City took like a like a 28 to nothing lead and then oh, yeah. second half they came out and returned a kickoff return for like a touchdown and then was like you know killing them right and then all of a sudden andrew luck just comes yeah. back and just destroys them in the second half i remember that I, w- I wasn't watching that game i was out
1: uh i was out somewhere i don't recall where it was but i remember when i walked by a television yeah because i was i was following along on my phone i saw they were down big I, yeah. I wasn't like clued in on i wasn't like you know closely following right and i remember watching towards the i walked by a television and the the colts were about to come back so i remember thinking to myself like wow you know like yeah but i didn't have an emotional attachment because i wasn't yeah. watching it like live and following
0: it but uh, they're definitely a cool one. Also, Yeah. Yeah. Shout out to them. And then also another honorable mention as well. Kansas City. Yeah. Houston got off to a hot start. And I'm just sitting there thinking like, wow, the Chiefs are really about to lose this game. Patrick Mahomes got on his horse. That defense strapped up. And they came back and beat them boys. They came back and went on like a fucking 45 point run. Yeah. this ridiculous. Yep. All right. All right, here we go. You're number, number, one. number one. I'm excited. I'm sick in the football as well. All right. And um, you say that, you know, that Buffalo Bills Houston game, greatest comeback of all time. I'm actually gonna I'm actually gonna debate you on that one there. Okay. Because obviously score for. wise, yes, you got that. Okay. But Super Bowl fifty one. Okay. New England Patriots. Yep. Atlanta Falcons. Yep. All right. The stage was certainly bigger. I'll give you that. Stage is bigger. This yep. is for all the marbles here. Okay. Okay. We got everybody the the most hated team probably in sports in new england well in football i should say new england patriots like everybody in the country that doesn't live in the new england area is rooting for the atlanta falcons including myself by the way i'm watching this with my my man ed uh jesse and he's a falcons fan oh so we're watching it together all right and got off to a beautiful start falcons are playing well they're dominating they go they they're they're killing the Patriots. Like pick six on Tom Brady. Yep. Matt Ryan's looking sharp. They're getting whatever they want to on offense. Julio Jones is dominated. He's making crazy catches. And kick a field goal to go up twenty eight to three midway through the third quarter. All right. Twenty eight to three. I'm with it. Patriots score twenty five unanswered points. Ugh. I remember twenty five. Yeah unanswered points yeah. to get this game tied Gross. now all right let's let's go a little bit deeper into this okay it's about what eight minutes left when they get done they got this score and then the end of the third quarter the, the the falcons are still winning this game patriots was able to kick two field goals in that third quarter at this point they're down 28 to 9 now fourth quarter comes around and this game, for me, kind of just did it for Brady. Like, I, I despise the Patriots. I despise Brady. I hate everything about him. I call them cheaters. All, you know, deflating De- balls. Deflating. Like, yeah, you're fucking... Filming ball, the
1: other team's practices. Yeah, like, what,
0: like what is wrong with you? Yeah. Like, you got, you know what I mean? Gross. But I don't think... And th- this game, like I said, it's it, it cemented Tom Brady's GOAT status for me. Put his team on his back. Never gave up. And brought his team back down from 28 to 3 in less than a fucking quarter and a half to beat this Falcons team. Everything just went right for him. Everything just went right. Falcons play calling in the fourth quarter was terrible. Like, run the ball. Shanahan still don't understand that for some reason. Like, give the ball to your running back, ground out the clock. I don't know why you like they I remember they was in field position to kick a field goal. Matt Ryan takes a sack out of field goal position. They got yeah. a punt. I, I like I everything's just, just going wrong for him. I just
1: don't understand. So one little sidebar on that is that, you know, a lot of people call Kyle Shanahan, you know, offensive mastermind. Yeah. genius. Yeah. They are throwing that around a lot. I remember thinking to myself after watching that, like, really? How like, much of a genius are you? Yeah, right. Yeah. Genius IQ. Right. Football acumen off the charts. You're the greatest wizard behind right. the behind a clipboard and you, you let that happen. I just maybe I out, didn't, I didn't maybe see he
0: out geniused himself. Mm, out geniused himself. Yeah. Oh, yeah he out himself. I like that. But you know, Bill Belichick Come on, man! He sunned him. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you know, I got I'm Bill Belichick. At this point, I got what four rings. Yeah. You know. I think he just. I'm, just Be- I'm Belichick, baby. puts you in a different mindset. Four or five rings at this point, but anyways, I think it was his fifth ring. Anyways, they come back, they tie it up, they get it to overtime, and you just know. Like, at this point, you just kind of know it's going to happen. Like you know the script. That, you like I'm just like oh they're going to win they're they're going to win the coin toss. Sure enough, they win the coin toss. They get ball first. Brady right down the field, boom, 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 boom. Yep. James White, awesome. He had an awesome game, by the he, way. James White. He could have. He he should have. How done.
1: he wasn't MVP is right. Yeah, me. he should have had Super Bowl killer MVP game. Man. He
0: should have had Super Bowl MVP for sure. But um, you know, goal line toss play, he scores a game win a touchdown, game over, Patriots win. To me, that is the greatest comeback of all time. To me, Tom Brady, he was already a goat at that point, probably, but that one there just made it no argument. For you to be able to bring a team back down twenty eight to three, and that's why when people say like Tom Brady's the greatest of all time, but he's not the best of all time, they play, like mention names like Aaron Rodgers and Dan Marino and Peyton Manning. I'm like, okay, I get it. They have more talent. They had the more the you know the better arm strength. You know they're probably a little bit more accurate, a little bit more athletic, but they're not better players than Tom Brady because I've never seen any of those guys do something like this. Ever. Yeah, Tom. Tom is you know, in like, a he's the GOAT. class by himself. He's yeah. the boat. However, whatever acronyms you guys want to use, Tom Brady is it. That game right there, man. And the Falcons, what they for them to collapse the way that they did? You're up twenty eight to three against the fucking New England Patriots. Everybody's rooting for you, and you just blow it like that. Yep, biggest stage. <sighs> man. That's, that's Lady tough. Gaga performed at halftime that's tough. right in front of Lady Gaga. Right in front they of did Lady that. Gaga like are you fucking kidding me, dude.
1: That's your poker face, right. you know what I mean? Unbelievable.
0: Like, love romance, oh, bad romance, that, excuse uh, me. like That whole on. game was
1: a bad romance. Right. I don't know any more Lady Gaga songs.
0: As well, that's all you need to if know. If I knew
1: more of them, we'd have some sweet puns right now. <laughs> I don't know any more Lady Gaga songs. That's it. I know poker face. <laughs> Is that, even, is that her for sure? Yeah, that, just, dance. just dance. Just dance? Just dance. Just dance? That's her too? Uh, all right, let me think. Let me think. Uh, White danced his way into the end zone. Just dance?
0: Yeah, he that's did. One. He danced his way into the end zone. All right. Tom Brady was dancing all night long after that Super Bowl victory. Very good. Yeah, man. Okay, Lady Gaga. Shout out to Lady Gaga. But uh, that is it, man. That is the top five right there. That is our top five all-time sports collapses. That's two great lists, man. That was. If I can say so myself. Was, so you were wondering early on, is it going to be a good episode? I think yes. That was an Put awesome Put one in the, in the yes column. Check mark. Boom. Nailed it. Nailed it. <laughs> All right, man. Um, So we're going to go ahead and wrap up this episode. And do you have anything else to add? to this one? No, not really. I'm feeling better now. I think I
1: sweated out all the uh, tequila from last night, so it I'm is feeling much better here. now. Talking with you is always a pleasure. That's a fact. I always love coming out here and speaking with you and uh, just discussing these collapses. A lot of fun bringing back a lot
0: of memories today. Yeah, so man. Pretty cool, buddy. We got a new logo.
1: That's right. Oh, so anybody French hasn't checked new it out. logo
0: out here. Oh, they see it, baby. If they, they listen to this episode. They're looking at it right now.
1: Okay, cool. Mm-hmm. So if they've clicked on the button, they've already seen it. They've so seen it. Look at it. It's both of us it's on there. It's both
0: of us. In cartoon. Handsome. Full Both. color. It's awesome. Right. Looks good. I love it. Yeah, man. Shout out to my man Hopspin. Even when I put it together for us on freelance. Love that guy. Yeah, I love them too. All right, man. If you listen to this podcast, make sure you go and like our Facebook page, Sports Your Enthusiasm Sports Podcast. Go and follow us on Twitter, S Y E Pod. Um, email us some feedback, message us some feedback, like tell us what you guys think about our lists. Tell us who are what moments would be in your top five. Uh, sports collapses of all time but we'll definitely be curious to hear those out Um, and uh, yeah that's pretty much everything there make sure that you're staying hydrated drinking some more water oh yeah I'm sorry you can uh, email us podcast at gmail.com if you have any suggestions on episodes that you want to do give us some feedback on this one here and then yo yeah make sure you're drinking some more water make sure you're staying hydrated out there yes sir alright we're gonna wrap it up there thank you again